On today's episode, it's all about getting over a fear of public speaking, sharing with you the kind of gigs that you're going to be speaking at, what you've got to say, and also, what would it be like if you tried speaking for fun, just like a sport? All that coming up next. Hi, I'm Dave Crane, an ex-BBC journalist who transforms decision makers and business owners who are feeling unknown and scared to speak on stage into highly respected and branded industry experts who are frequently getting offered five, six and even seven figure contracts to do exactly what they did before. During the pandemic, I lost everything except the belief that like me, the world is full of frustrated leaders and game changers with untapped potential and brilliant ideas who felt time was always against them because they were worth much, much more and just needed help to learn to jump and grow wings on the way down. And so that's what I do. I help create industry icons. Imagine being in constant demand, headhunted and interviewed because you're the visionary whose life purpose and passion are aligned. So every single day you wake up smiling, truly happy, only doing what you want, when you want and having plenty of time to spend with those you love. I created the Industry Icon Program to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step -step strategies to help you to fly. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life worth living, it's an honor to be serving you. And now it's your turn to build a legacy. So let's get started. We need to talk. This is your time to become an industry icon. So welcome back to the show. So much to go through, so little time. Well, about half an hour every single episode. If you're watching it live, and fantastic, great for you to join us. We're really excited to be here. If you're watching it later on, then you're going to miss some certain bits. You're not really. It's a replay. Um, and also, if you're catching it on the podcast, as always, there are visual bits that make you want to watch the actual video version of it. But I'll try as much as to describe as much as possible, so you make sure you get the most out of the show. So I can tell you now, I've got glasses, I've got a face, I've got ears... And when I smile, I do this. <laughs> there you are, boy. That's for the people on the podcast. So in today's episode, we've got so much stuff to go through. I might as well start now. This is episode six. If you haven't caught the previous ones, then make sure you go all the way back through the other episodes. Uh, there's five of them. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, and you should be able to get some really good insights. Today, we're continuing the theme uh, of what we started last time about fear of stage fright. Glossophobia. Stage fright is more about, you know, being on a stage and wondering what's going on around you. And we talked about the preparation for that, making sure you know all the factors that could affect you. But today we're going to talk about what starts your fear of public speaking and some ways of getting around the whole problem if it's something that challenges you. As always, make sure you follow me on all the different platforms to make sure you don't miss anything. And uh, I'll share with you as much as I possibly can. Feel free to go back through the episode making notes and it should hopefully get you to where you need to be. So so in today's episode, the agenda is this. I'm going to be talking about speaking for sport. I speak like a sport. 
You know when people do that, um, well, well, when they're jumping over buildings and jumping onto like rooftops and, and also climbing walls and all that other stuff? Uh, parkour, you know that stuff? I kind of do that with speaking. I throw myself into difficult examples and just carry on, and uh, I love getting into scrapes uh, as long as I don't end up getting sent to prison. So I'm going to share with you a really big challenge and how I got out of it uh, coming up in a few moments' time. Also, we'll be going through what causes a fear of public speaking. And uh, once you know that, you'll be able to start making big steps towards disarming it because you realize it's not you, it's everybody, and it's built in to protect you But when you know how to fix it you'll feel much better. We'll be asking what should I speak about and I'll share with you a couple of different topics. One in particular that I really feel that is so important that I'm going to share with you on the show. And also where will I be speaking? You know what it's like behind the scenes? Well I'm going to show you exactly what it's like behind the scenes on a big stage, on a small stage and all the different places where you could end up having to speak. Why? Because if you can see what's going on and you know what to expect, then it's not going to scare you as much anymore, is it? No, Dave, it's not. Aha. That's why I'm here to help. And your questions and answers, as always, some really interesting ones. And thank you, as always, for sending through the questions. Uh, you can do it directly to me on my social media uh, or do it at info at davecraneglobal.com. All right, so let's move on now. If you haven't got your copy of our 10 killer strategies guaranteed to fast track your career, this is absolutely free and it gives you an insight into what happens if a game changes as well, our global community. All you have to do is if you're watching this on your phone, you can tap on uh, the QR code and then just register when the page opens up for you. If not, take a screenshot of this video, uh, of this particular thing, and then just scan that, tapping it again from your iPhone. It should be easy from your Android. I don't know. <laughs> I don't buy them. Um, but you'll be able to find out exactly how to get it. You just register and the 10 strategies cover fear of public speaking, how to grow your brand, how to create viral content, how to dominate on LinkedIn, how to also um, start, a bit, start your brand going when the company tells you you're not allowed to post. There's ways and means and strategies all around that, including getting over imposter syndrome. So all that and more, there's 10 questions which I think will really help you and it's absolutely free as I mentioned. If you want more and you can't wait that long, join me on the Industry Icon Program. I've got to say thank you to the five new people that have joined us uh, in the last couple of days, joining our global community of people who are going to be positioned as the very best in their industry. And I find it so exciting, uh, the common purpose of being the best at what they do, helping others to get to that level, and also leaving a legacy. So with that, let's look at why you need to speak. I mention this every time because it's really important. Now, this is effective for anybody in any element of business. Your clients have a headache. They need somebody to fix it. The headache could be anything from needing tools for a project or needing a, a freelancer or, or wanting to do some, some stuff in a new country and the need to set up resources and, and logistics. It doesn't matter what the headache is. Who can fix it? If that's you, then we're going to Google it and say, you're the best of a fit. If the answer is yes and the headache can be fixed, they'll buy from you directly. Now, the best way to get yourself to the top of the food chain isn't necessarily to spend a fortune with SEO because people have got wise really to the fact that if you're in the top 10 in, in, in Google, it might mean that you can just get to the top 10 better. It doesn't mean you're the best at what you do. But if you're a subject matter expert and you talk about what you do and you give insights into the industry for a podcast or a TV show or a blog or your social media posts, you end up positioning yourself 
yourself as somebody that they want to do business with. And then you, you put out certainty and social proof and you become their best choice. So then people want to do business with you. That's the whole point of the industry icon program, which is dedicating to fast you, fast tracking you to where you need to be. All right then, so let's see how all this stuff comes together. I'll give you an example. I ran Dubai Rugby Sevens Entertainment for about 20 years. And that means going out in front of, let's say, um, probably about 50,000 people who had not held back on enjoying the, the lubrication while watching live rugby, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, open a can, neck it, right? And so we're also broadcasting to about 200 million people watching in various countries as we had this huge international tournament um, and ladies tournament, men's and ladies and lots of stuff going on. So for 20 years, I was going out in the middle of the pitch and entertaining people. Now, I want to share with you something that I'm not sure how it will pan out on the podcast but I'm going to go with it anyway to explain exactly what the process is because I want you to experience something when you do entertainment for sport and you speak for sport, you throw yourself in the deep end knowing that you want to get the very best out of the results for your audience. I realized that a large amount of me as a public speaking is like when I was a DJ. You got an audience in front of you, you play a record that you think they're going to like, and then you, sang, you, you move into the next song, which you think they will still like, seamlessly. And then the next song, and you go on until you've had the end of the night and everyone's had a really good time dancing. When you speak, it can be like that. Now, here's the challenge for this one particular event. At the Emirates Airlines Dubai Rugby Sevens, we had little gaps between the games. And those gaps have got lots of people in the audience wanting to get really excited. Now, here's why it was so important we got those gaps filled with the right music and with the right entertainment. Because when your favorite team gets knocked out, you don't really care who else is in the tournament. Unless you're having such a great time and enjoying the atmosphere, you'll cheer for anybody. And that was our job to make sure that the people who watched the finals would say, wow, this is amazing. I wish I was in Dubai with this audience singing at the tops of their voices for these teams. And sometimes you got a great big team that everyone loved, and sometimes you didn't. That wasn't the point. Our job was to entertain. So what I'm going to show you now is a clip from one of the, um, one of the events where I had about three minutes, three minutes to do a competition of Dance Like Your Dad. I had to pre-prepare six guys who are going to come on and dance for the audience. Now, you'll only see the video that my wife took from the side of the stage. So a couple of times people came on and stood in front of her. You'll hear her say, could you move, please? Uh, that was her. That's as easy. Uh, but the rest of it was going on a big screen, and a lot of it was going on big screens and small screens all around the world. I had to get people on stage, I had to introduce them, I had to get them to dance, I had to get the audience to cheer for the one that they liked, I had to give them a prize and get everybody off before the next team came onto the pitch and started the next game. I couldn't overlast because the referees would be ruthless, the teams would get into place, and also... It was just a done thing. As soon as the teams get into place, my commentators, Kev Scora and Damien Hopley, were, 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 were primed to start talking over me to let me know it's time to get off the pitch wherever I was, whatever I did. So if I hadn't finished the game and people had been watching it for three minutes and I ran out of time, that's just tough. You can't do anything about it. So what happens when it does come together? 
If you're listening, then I've got six people. We're in the middle of the pitch. I've got a microphone with a camera guy and also somebody with a clipboard holding up the prize ready to hand out. The guys I have talked to beforehand, I know who they are. I've told them exactly what they have to do. They dance and they win or they lose. Watch this and you'll see exactly what happens next.
So there you have it. That's what happens live. And as you heard, uh, Kev Scorer just shouting, um, I played, I said, let's play rugby. That was a cue that I'd finished. It was a universal cue that was set up so the continuity could continue. And if it was your first experience of one of my gigs or, or doing a gig of that kind of scale, then uh, having cues that you can send uh, subconsciously, if nothing else, to your team is really useful to get the continuity just right. So what are you worried about? Does it worry you the idea of going on and doing that on stage? Well, I can understand that, but I'm not trying to test you with this. I'm trying to get you to a point where you feel comfortable when you understand what makes it and how it all comes together. It should be a lot easier. So when we start talking about this, let's talk about your fear or your potential fear of public speaking. And by the way, if you missed that dancing because you're listening on a podcast, all of them are terrible. The last guy did a, uh, the splits. And uh, that was enough to get people to win and cheer for him. For me, from my point of view, just to go back and talk about it, my interest was just to get a win. That's it. Get a win, get him off. Not to say, well, those two are very close. Get a win, get him off. That was it. All right, so fear of speaking is caused by a number of different things. People are thinking, what if I freeze? Or what if I forget what to say? Or what if they laugh or boo me? Or even worse, what if I lose my job because I've gone on stage and, and, and what if something else happens? Well, when you understand how to control and deal with all those things, then it becomes much easier to be able to go out there and just do it. And it doesn't matter how bad you are at doing it. If you're the only person capable, then you are great in most, pe most people's eyes, unless they're a public speaker. But even so, they're not the ones in the microphone, you are. So you can do really well. So if you're thinking, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Dave, what about me? Well, let me share with you why people have a massive fear of public speaking. This is The Croods. You may have seen the, the movies or the TV shows. Brilliant, fantastic. Nicolas Cage and, and, and Ryan Reynolds as well, but not in that picture. So The Croods is used here not because we used to be Croods, but because we used to be cavemen. And when we were cavemen and we were hunter-gatherers, we used to basically have a small tribe of maybe 50, 60, maybe 70 people, and we'd all travel around. Now, in many cases, I believe that the fear of public speaking comes from the fact that if we were in a tribe, the only time we'd actually have to speak would be if we were in fear of getting kicked out of the tribe to defend our position in the, in the, in the tribe. Because if you're on your own, then you're going to die outside. You can't sleep. Even if you're a campfire, the predators are going to get you. You need people to stand guard. So... Um, if you'd committed some kind of crime or, or, or stolen something or done something that the, the tribe didn't like, they'd kick you out. So then you had to speak. So it's natural to have a fear of public speaking. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm not a caveman, even though I haven't really had a shave today. But you get the general idea. But let's look at what that actually means. Let's take the, the more settled version of why people have a fear of public speaking. First of all, imagine you're in a cave and you're a caveman. Okay, great place to live. It's got your name on the front. Um, and a bear answers the cave. Answers and enters the cave. And as it walks in, you're thinking, I'm on my own. What am I going to do here? How can I face a cave? Now you get ready. Adrenaline is pumping through your system. And as you get ready, your heart starts beating to turn the blood round. So you're going to have to take action. Your head goes empty with every other thought. Not like I'm going to watch the crudes on Netflix or I wonder what I'm going to have for my dinner. None of that stuff because you might not survive long enough to be able to face whatever you need to do. So your brain is only focused on this. Your senses get heightened. 
The blood moves into your arms and into your legs, and your stomach is empty. Sometimes physically emptied in front of you, but your stomach says, right, I don't care how hungry I am, I've got a pit in my stomach, I feel nervous, I've got to be paying attention to what's in front of me right now. Now, what that happens is it turns into fight. You've heard this. When you fight, you attack the bear without thinking about it, arms and legs, you move forward, you start punching, kicking, stabbing it with a spear or, or throwing rocks, whatever it takes, without thinking about it, because if you thought about it, you might not do that. The other option is flight. Same thing happens all the way through your system. You have this horrible punching, um, the, the, the adrenaline through your heart, through your system, through your bloodstream, and your arms and legs are going, but this time your legs move faster than your arms. Rather than being stick to the spot and holding your ground, you run past the bear, you run off into the forest, and before you even know what's happened, you're, you're miles away and the bear's given up trying to chase you because it can't find you anymore. The other option, by the way, is this one. You've probably experienced this. Freeze. Again, the adrenaline goes through your system. You're all ready for danger, but the bear hasn't seen you yet. So you lock yourself in position, hoping the bear won't notice and will go away. Think about this. The bear hasn't noticed you. Your senses are really working. So you can tell when it's behind you. You can hear its breathing. You can smell it. You can sense it moving from that side. Hopefully it will notice a much more juicy neighbor behind you in the family in the next cave, but it won't go at you. Now you'll fight if you have to save your family. You'll run most of the time if you can't do anything about it, there's you and the, the, the bear, but you'll freeze to hope it gets bored and goes away. That's why people have a fear of public speaking. It's not a bear, it's an audience. It's not a danger, it's a load of people who want to know what it is you've got to share, but your body reacts the same way. It freezes you, your head goes empty, you lose all interest in eating or any other functions, and your system is going, oh my goodness, what do I do next? So how do you counter it? You watch this show, because face is the final part. There's also another thing, but I'll tell you about that in a future episode. So face is you face the danger by having a cunning plan in place. You have something you can implement, you adjust it in real time as you go along, and also you create a win, okay? You create a win. So there's one other way which I'll tell you about in a future episode, <laughs> and that means you gotta watch it. So with that, it's not about speaking against the people next to you and being better unless it's in a competition and don't ever see it like that life is about you versus you it's not you versus anybody else people can be better looking could be richer they could live in in countries that are more more conducive to their happiness doesn't matter it's a lottery ticket that you get when you're born you don't have to necessarily beat the person around you you just have to do the best that you can even though this is a funny video and a funny cartoon, it doesn't matter, okay? So therefore, um, right, why should you find your own voice? Why is it important? Well, first of all, for my own business, Industry Icon, and teaching people to speak on stage, and teaching people how to become game changers in their industry, whatever your industry is, it's a great way to be able to get people to appreciate who you are, what you do, and what you think. And it gives you ability as well, when you've got an audience, to share with them what you think they might want to know or what you want to share with them. If you don't speak, then you've got to be able to do it in some way or keep it to yourself. 
But if you're very outspoken in your mind and you don't share that with people physically or in any other way, shape or form, you bottle it up until the moment's gone and you can't be blamed, blaming anybody else for not standing up on your behalf if you're not willing to do it for yourself. Let me give an example. There's a current issue that's been really bothering me. I'm not going to rant about it too much, but it's about the amount of diversity that Disney has thrown into their new characters. Lord of the Rings, yes, and Star Wars, and you've noticed it in the Marvel stuff as well, and a huge backlash from people who say, I'm not racist, but the original one wasn't like that, and I'm not used to seeing black people or coloured people or women taking these lead roles. Well, first of all, I'm not going to waste my time trying to tell you the importance of diversity. The more diversity you have, whether somebody's abled or, 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 or challenged, doesn't matter, or, 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 or gender difference, they bring a different... A different element to the actual broadcast to the art to whatever it is and if you want to reach people around the world of all nationalities then you need to have those conversations with people who represent those nationalities because we're now a global market so get used to it now the thing i want to talk about is this young lady on the left is called um harry uh, halle bailey not halle berry harry halle bailey and She's playing um, Ariel in the brand new Little Mermaid. And she's got so much backlash from people saying, she's brown, she can't be she, Little Mermaid. Look, Hans Christian Andersen wrote a lot of books that were really scary, not like Disneyfied and nice. And one of the things I've got to say about this as well is of all the characters in the Disney movies, Ariel's the only one who doesn't realise and grow as a person by the end of the show or the end of a movie. She's the same person, she's a pain in the butt. Paid in the tail, whatever it is. But that's moving away from the point. The point is, it matters to me. Same in Star Wars, John Boyega. If you watch the very first Star Wars episode, when they said The Force Awakens, the very first of a new set of Star Wars movies, he came across like a character that was going to be a main character, because he was in that movie, who was going to then inherit a Force and a lightsaber. And somewhere along the line, people bottled out of that. And it took him to become a, a side character, as did the Asian character, and we ended up with this really boring central thing versus the Empire versus the Empress daughter. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You'll have to see it yourself. But you'll realise that very quickly, the guys running Star Wars bottled it. They came back and they changed that, by the way, when they went on to do um, Obi-Wan Kenobi recently. But again, this trolls people that hate this whole idea. And I'm loving right now House of the Dragon, which is a Game of Thrones follow-up, and also um, The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. And we've got people of colour in those shows. And they're getting so much nastiness from people saying, no, it was meant to be based on, on you know, we've got dragons, we've got elves, none of them are brown, they're all white. Hold on. Let's put this back again. Right. Dragons and elves and hobbits. How old are you? I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy this stuff. I love it. I'm obsessed with this stuff. But the point is, none of them are real. When J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, it was all about the diverse races coming together to fight a common enemy and putting aside their differences. Do you not think that he was writing it nowadays it'd be of different colour as well? Please wake up and who cares? Just get with it. The more that we see a mixture on, on, on the screens, the more it inspires young people to believe that they can grow into whatever they want to do. One of the major reasons I do this show, one of the major reasons when I post all my stuff on social, I do it because then you'll see me, a man of colour, doing what I want and I don't care if you don't like it. I'll just make my face bigger so you can see. Ha <laughs> ha! 
There you go. Oh, I feel better. So why should you find your voice exactly at that point? Now, let's get back to the next point. The point is this. There's a number of things you could examine when it comes to understanding how to be a great speaker. We'll be going through all of these and more in this series. I love your comments. I love your thoughts, by the way. Wherever you are in the world, then let me know because I love that whole point. So moving on, let's put things in perspective. The perspective I want to share with you is what gigs look like. I've shown you a couple of different ideas and also shared with you the importance of having a voice. So something that's really important to you, you can put it across in the way that you want to and deliver it to the people that you want to deliver it to. Even though I suspect that people watching the show are already on my side on 95% of the stuff I'm talking about. Gigs look like this. A one-to-one meeting with somebody looks like this. One person leaning across, hi, how are you? Then you've got a hybrid meeting. This is relatively new since the pandemic. Uh, Zoom with lots of O's are the masters of this, but there's other things available too. So a hybrid has somebody in front of you and somebody on a screen. This is all different examples of public speaking. Next up, again going to the Zoom, this is you and a load of people all around the world. And I tend to live in this world more than anything, apart from when I do live gigs. So you've got meets and teams and you've got Zoom and you've got a community of people all around the world, but you only do it through your laptop. This again is speaking, but it's a different one. One that's harder to get paid for, but it's still possible to monetize it. I'll go on about that in a future episode. Then you've got a boardroom setting where you've got everybody staring at you. And for many people, there's too many people in this picture of, um, say, how many people have got here? In the picture, you've got 10 staring at you if you're listening to a podcast. And you're on your laptop, and you've got to keep the whole thing together. That's more than most people. Most people are comfortable maximum with about three or four. Then you've got a live panel discussion where you're sitting on a stage with people talking about your view on a particular subject with a live audience watching. And often now, it's streamed around the world at the same time. Your live audience could be of any age, any nationality, any demographic, um, any industry. Doesn't matter, they're live and they're all thinking what's in it for me. Your stage generally looks like a big red curtain. If it's that kind of thing, that's a proper theater uh, of which I've done many in my time. And behind the stage, again, it's difficult if you're in a podcast to understand this, behind the scenes, it looks like a mess, always does. Um, you've got your screen, on. you've got your audience on the right-hand side of this particular picture who are sitting there and it looks gorgeous inside the theatre. But behind there, it's all sort of like boxes and pipes and uh, tools and lighting and it's really crazy. I'll do videos to share this with you in the future. This is what gigs look like. When you're looking from a microphone, you see people staring at you and it looks like everybody's looking at you and going, oh my goodness, I wept up if you're gonna mess it up. They're not, they just wanna know what you're gonna share with them. And a standing ovation looks a bit like this. Can you see that? Everyone clapping, this is what you're aiming for. You're aiming for everyone to say, great job, well done, really appreciated it. And I'll tell you in a future episode, or if you can't wait that long, contact me directly, how to get a Round the applause at the end of every presentation you make, regardless of who the audience is. So with that, what are you afraid of when it comes to speaking? The worst that's going to happen is probably what you've already experienced. But think about the great things that could happen. I may get a backlash for what I've said during the show. I don't care. It's my show. Don't like it. Don't watch it. Do watch it. I'll teach you to be a great speaker. Now we'll go to the questions from people, and they're always fascinating. Be prepared whenever you go on stage to speak, by the way, and make sure when you're getting a win, then you ask yourself his questions. What do I have to achieve to get a win? Who's my audience? What do they want? 
what would quantify a win and what if something goes wrong? I will share with you all the things you need to do when things go wrong, but being prepared and the preparation from the very beginning makes it easy for you. And of course, my signature th uh, thought and phrase, uh, a message is jump and grow wings on the way down. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it and they'll get all the accolades and basically you could have been there in the first place. I get excited and I speak quite quickly. I apologize if you've missed stuff. So on the podcast, you might need to look at the subtitles. That was a joke. All right. Love your messages, by the way. Great to see you and uh, all the very best. And uh, make sure that you uh, join us with the future podcasts. Find my YouTube channel, sign up to that. Uh, and also, I'll share with you in a few moments that uh, QR code so you can download a free ebook all about positioning yourself as the best in your industry. And of course, asking what's the worst thing that's going to happen. And whatever it is, you'll be able to get past it. It won't be that bad, but if it is, at least you'll be ready. So questions and answers, as promised, as here. What if it all goes wrong on the day? Great question from Kathy Sturmer uh, from Vienna in Austria. What if it all goes wrong on the day? Well, you can minimize it all going wrong by preparing to make sure you've got everything in place. Have a number of ways of delivering your content. So if you're bringing a laptop, then you've got the presentation on the laptop. If you haven't got it on the laptop, then you've got it on a USB, just so you can hand it over to somebody to plug into their laptop and they can present it. You have it on your phone, just to remind yourself as a PDF, if something goes wrong, people don't need to see the old singing, old dancing version of your presentation. They just need to come out of it with something. And that's the whole point in doing it. Plus, life is a learning curve, Kathy. If things go wrong, that's fine. You'll know something you don't do again next time to make sure that it goes right. And I get stuff wrong all the time, but it's never terrible. And if it is terrible, I find a way of dealing with it. Sometimes you've got somebody in the audience that you don't know who gets really offended by something that you've said. You might not have known that. But here's the thing. Don't say something offensive. Or if you are going to say something offensive or something that challenges, say, in my opinion, you may have your own opinion and I perfectly think that's valid. However, this is mine. That way you distance yourself from the audience, probably from the audience, from, from the organizers and also anybody who doesn't agree with you by saying, this is my opinion uh, and please don't hold it against me. But if you do, that's fine as well. Next question is this from Jacob Smart in California in the US. Should I memorize a script? Now, I've worked with many speakers who like to memorize a script because they learn from other people who memorize scripts. My opinion is no, never memorize it because if you lose your footing or you get distracted or somebody asks a question and you forget where you are, you have no place to go from. Also, memorizing a script means it's parrot fashion. You've got to create rapport with the audience. You should know what you're gonna talk about, but I would suggest you work with bullet points. You know your subjects anyway. Your aim is to get sentences as bullet points and then work out how that works best with your audience. By all means, if you're a new presenter or a new speaker, then write out a full script, but never use it. Just have it so you know the kind of words that you want to use. Have it in your mind, read it through a few times, and then dump it as soon as you get in front of a live audience. Never hold a script and read it out. People know. Have you ever watched a voiceover documentary and you're listening to it and just going, that person's reading the script? Yes, they shouldn't sound like that. And neither should you. Last question is this one. Which equipment do I need to buy for live gigs? Okay, Jillian Jackson in Doha in Qatar. Qatar, that's where the World Cup's going to be. In fact, it's not far from Dubai uh, where I am um, in the UAE. Equipment do I need to buy for live gigs? Right, depends what you use. I would always have a good laptop, whether it's a Mac, which is what I use because it doesn't 
update itself in the middle of a presentation and it doesn't have pop-ups either it's very tame and it controls itself um, but you might want to have a laptop if you have your laptop then don't use it for lots of other stuff or at least clean it before you open it out to share with people otherwise everyone gets really nosy especially if you've got things that are rude popping up or you've got embarrassing pictures on your home screen when you plug it in i would take a load of plugs as well to make sure that adapters wherever you are if they haven't got the right adapter to plug it into a projector you can say no worries i've got a range of ones that can go with that i've never had to take a microphone unless i'd put the event together from scratch most of the time in hotels or, or, or venues they have all the equipment you need to plug into but you should ask in advance don't just turn up and expect it to be good one thing i've found is not often there is a clicker so I would take along a clicker as well, you know, a clicker to change the slides. I would bring your own because sometimes the ones that you have are not the right ones. Plus one with a volume on is sometimes useful too. So I hope that answers all the questions. There's more to it. I would also take a stand to put my, my video camera on or an Osmo Pocket, which I'll talk about in the future, which is a very useful bit of kit. I don't think I've got mine here. Otherwise, I'd share it with you. I'll show you in a future episode. Um, but you, if you have a camera on a stand, you don't need necessarily to have people uh, filming it for you. And then you get some stuff you can use for your social. Okay, that's a, the, the, the very quick uh, look at what you need, Gillian. I hope it's useful for you. If you've got any questions, by the way, feel free to contact me straight away. All this stuff works. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk about it. And you can go to info at davecrane.com or just contact me directly with a message on social. Remember, the whole point in doing this is to get you so you can fix headaches of your clients. I'm not telling you how to run your business, but if you can speak, it's a lot faster for them to have trust in you and to know you and to like you. And if they like you, they're going to spend with you. Half the objections that they have and the objectives that they have are based on who do I choose? There's so much choice now. I can Google everybody. But if you show up, you don't even have to be the best at it, just the most expert at talking about it. And suddenly people put you at a higher level of food chain because they like the personal service and some even can ask questions too. And that's you. So that being said, that's about it. The Industry Icon Program is available for you. If you'd like to connect with me, you can book a one-to-one -one meeting. The details should be in the comments section. If not, just go to theindustryicon.com and the details will be there as with a speak on stage site. Meanwhile, you should get my contact details from taking the QR code. I promised to show it to you again. If you haven't got the QR code, then go to speakonstage.com and you should get access to all the different programs and also this. Um, I'll drop into the comments section if you're watching on social um, the QR code for getting uh, the special book with 10 different ways to fast track your career. And that's about it. Our next episode, number seven, oh my goodness, is what makes a great speaker. What makes a speaker stand out and makes everybody want to hire them, work with them, follow them, and contribute to their own ever-going success. There are tricks and there are things in place. I'll share them with you. Meanwhile, get out there, talk to people, practice in your head if you need to, but do talk. Because the difference is that, as Warren Buffett says, if you can speak and represent your organization, you will learn an extra 50% at least just by being able to represent your brand. In my opinion, it's more like a 300 or 700% more because when you add your speaking gigs to it because you're not scared to speak, 
Suddenly, you travel the world and it becomes much more interesting. All right, then. Speak on stage with me, Dave Crane. It's been a pleasure spending quality time with you. As always, make sure you follow me on all the different social media platforms, and I'll talk to you very soon. Have an amazing day, and thanks for coming out to play. And that's it for today's podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure having you here with me. If you go to speakonstage.com, everything you need will be there. You get access to my blog. You get past and present podcasts. Find out about the events that are upcoming. And also, you could join the Game Changers and join our global community, our membership. We're changing the world. Similarly, if you really want to push your brand and get speaking gigs all around the world, then you've got to become an industry icon. Book a session with me, we'll have a chat about it, and you can get our online courses to become an amazing speaker and also position yourself as the very best in your niche. I look forward to catching you soon on another podcast. Meanwhile, have an amazing day.